You're listening to a podcast of Family Church in West Monroe, Louisiana. Wherever or however you're listening, our hope is that this message would be challenging and inspiring for you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. Thanks for listening, and let's head to the message. Good evening. How about taking your Bible out and placing it beside you so that it's handy for our study in God's Word tonight? Before modernism had begun to creep into the mainstream of Christian thinking, and before inclusivism planted itself squarely in the middle of biblical interpretation, a man named Johnson Oatman in 1908 wrote these words in the form of a song. If I walk in the pathway of duty, if I work to the close of the day, then I know there's joy that awaits me when I've gone the last mile of the way. And if here I have earnestly striven and have tried all his will to obey, twill enhance all the rapture of heaven. When I've gone the last mile of the way. Mr. Oatman had been studying 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, and that's where I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles right now. And based on what the Holy Spirit revealed to him, he wrote those words in the song that, of course, is titled the last mile of the way. Let's read the inspiration for those words that he wrote. 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, starting with verse 1. We've heard these so many times right here in this sanctuary. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead, when he appears to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Verse 6, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. 
the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. That's God's word. Would you say amen? In my mind, we just read one of the most important passages in all the Bible. In fact, there is more said in those eight verses we just read, in those eight verses of Scripture, than what most people ever realize. I'll even say what most people ever want to recognize. And now my plan right now is to read at least some of those very verses again at the end of this message. And my plan, at least right now, is for us to dig into the truths that are found in those scriptures later on in this series. But I want to say this right here, right now. Would you take your outline? Would you write this down? If we learn what these verses really say, and if we if we pay attention to what they actually convey, we must conclude that we receive our eternal reward only after we've gone the last mile of the way. little poem there for anybody who recognized my poetic ability. Look here for a moment, please. That may sound a little corny to you, but I want to tell you this, there is a whole wad of eternity wrapped up in that simple little statement right there. If we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, then every single one of us, if you are a believer, I am a believer. If we are believers, then for every single one of us, this is our truth. We are in a spiritual journey. My journey may have more miles than yours. Yours may have more miles than mine. But we receive our re eternal reward only after we've gone the last mile of however many miles our journey might be. After we go the last mile, and if we go the last mile. Did you hear what I just said? When I was a young teenage man, I was reading through God's Word, and I kept seeing something again and again. I didn't really know that the word there that fit was the word perseverance. <laughs> I didn't even, as a young teenage boy, understand what the word perseverance meant or what it means. Perseverance, a dedicated 
single-mindedness. A persistent and unrelenting compulsion to reach out and accomplish and accomplish a goal or an objective. Unflinching faithfulness. As I grew older and as I continued to read and study, the understanding of perseverance just dropped down into my soul. And as I continued to pour over the scriptures, the necessity of perseverance in the life of a believer became crystal clear. And as a young man, I understood that if there was anything that ought to be true about me as a believer, is that I was going to persevere to the end of my race. I'm going to talk about that in these uh, four nights of Bible study. I promise you that I'm going to say some things that are going to set you on the edge of your seat if you're a believer. I promise you that I am going to cause you to think if you're a believer. I guarantee you that I am going to say some things that may just absolutely cut right across the cloth of your life if you are a believer. And if you are a believer, I promise you that what I am going to be teaching is going to be squarely front and center right before our spiritual eyes. And lastly, I promise you, I'm going to just say what the Bible says. If that's okay, would you say amen? Perseverance. Faithfulness to the end, starting and not stopping. I was a teenage boy, then I became a young man. And then on January the 1st, 1984, which happened to be a Sunday, God stamped my soul with this passage of Scripture we're going to read right now from Philippians, the third chapter. And on January the 1st, this became the theme for the rest of whatever life I was going to live. Again, we've read this a lot, but have we seen what we've read and have we understood what we've seen? Philippians 3, let's go ahead and start at the beginning of verse 3. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more." 
I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law, the Jewish law, without fault. I once thought these things were valuable but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And let's all say amen right there. And we get excited about that, and we ought to. But the Apostle Paul doesn't stop there. He goes on with these words that we read right here in verse 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another, that is a profound statement right there, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. So he says this, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. Look at, how he's, look at how these words are said, how he writes this to us. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you, but we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Again, that's God's word. How about an amen? Everybody, would you look here for a moment? It's going to be really, 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 really hard for you to stay up with what I'm going to be saying if you don't have a Bible with you. So if you didn't bring one tonight, be sure and bring one next Wednesday night. 
Let's look at these verses, three things out of so many I want to focus on tonight right here. Here's the first one. Would you write this down? We must press on to the end. That's the first thing we read in these verses. We must press on to the end. And if you've written that down again, would you look here for a moment, please? Regardless of the progress we've already made in our journey toward full devotion to Christ, we have not arrived and we must press on. Regardless of how we have screwed up so far in our journey, regardless of how far we have screwed up, we cannot give up. We must press on. You may be here and you may be saying, well, that's simple. I understand that concept. You know, I, I've, I've been in church at least a little while. I, I think I've got a pretty good handle on that. Well, let's see. Let's, let's, let's move on to the second thing that these verses tell us. Look at verse 15 again, if you have your Bible there. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. We've heard it for years. We've got to press on. Oh, we've got to keep on keeping on. But that's not all the Holy Spirit says. Here's the second thing. We must hold on to what we have. We cannot afford to lose what we have had. We cannot afford to regress in our progress. We must press on and we must hold on at all cost. Do you understand the difference between those two things? Pressing on and keeping on. Holding on to what we have. And look at, look at verse 15 again, still in your Bible there. Verse 15, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. It says here, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. Let all who are spiritually mature say what God says. So the question we all need to ask ourselves is a pretty simple question. Am I mature? Do I believe everything that this third chapter of Philippians is telling me, or do I just pick and choose the things I want to hear that I want to believe? When the Holy Spirit wrote through the hand of the Apostle Paul, or probably Luke, and Paul was dictating to him, when he wrote those words, 
that we cannot regress. We must hold on to what we have already had. Do we believe that or not? And here's what God says, and this challenge is to all of us in this room, and it's something that's put right in front of my face and right in front of yours. If I am mature, I will believe that because God's word says that. But there's a third thing here. If we're going to gain eternity, we must come to grips with our responsibility. If we're going to gain eternity, we must come to grips with our responsibility. Let me ask you this question. If there's no possible way, I hope you're listening. If there is no possible way that we might not hold on, if it's impossible for us to not hold on, then why does God admonish us that we must hold on? Do you understand what I just asked? If we can't fall away from having hold on, if, we, if that can't be a reality for a believer, then why does the Holy Spirit through Paul say, make sure that does not happen? One of the songs I want played at my funeral <clears throat> is a song by Russ Taff and the Imperials. It's simply titled, Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, the times in my life when I have played that song and have praised the Lord. But there's another song that I've told Vicki I want played at my funeral. And it was... Uh, put out to the public in 2001 by a group called Selah. And it was called Simply Press On. I have listened to both those songs, Praise the Lord and Press On. When I say hundreds of times, I have listened to them hundreds of times. But in the last five years, Oh, I have listened to press on until I think that CD is just about worn in two. When I felt like I'd given everything I had to give and I couldn't give anything else, I'd go in that little room at my house and put that CD into that CD player and play that song over and over and over again. When I felt like I had gone as far as I could go and couldn't go any further, I played that song. When I screwed up and felt like an abject failure, I have played that song. And these are the words to it. When the valley is deep, 
when the mountain is steep, when the body is weary, when we stumble and fall, when the choices are hard, when we're battered and scarred, when we've spent our resources, when we've given our all. In Jesus' name, we press on. In Jesus' name, we press on. Dear Lord, with the prize clear before our eyes, we find the strength to press on. So we must hold on to the end and or press on to the end and hold on to what we already have and write it down again or look at it if you've already written down. If we're going to gain eternity, we must come to grips with our responsibility. And our responsibility is to hold on, press on, and finish our race. Look, everyone, I rewrote so much this afternoon of what I wanted to say because I knew I wasn't going to be able to say it all tonight like I need to. We must finish what we start. <laughs> I looked at all my notes and I said, no way I can sell this. So I just wrote it down in that one little phrase. We must finish what we start because starting the race without finishing the race provides us with nothing more than if we had never started that race at all. Do you understand that? Come on, do you understand that? I'll get way ahead of myself. There's the prize that I'm pressing on and holding on and keeping on to take. There's the prize. And here's the race. The starting place right here. I was an eight-year-old boy. Oh, and I'm running, and I'm making progress. But somewhere along the way, the progress stops. As a matter of fact, I just stopped running. I just quit. I don't keep on keeping on. Do I get the prize? Did it benefit me to start? Well, it may have made me a better person. It may have helped my relationship with my wife, my children. But 10 years, 15 years, 25 years, remember, you may have a lot more miles in your journey than I have in mine, or I might have a whole lot more in mine than yours. But everybody, if you start... And don't finish. 
It's the same as not having started at all. If you understand that simple little concept, would you say, I understand? Now, I want to show you something. Take your Bible and turn to James chapter 1. I just bypassed a whole lot of what I was going to say because I felt like I needed to just bypass it for tonight. James chapter 1. <clears throat> Read with me, if you would, verse 12. Remember, I told you, you're going to have to really think. Keep your Bible handy to stay with me in what I'm going to try to say. Verse 12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Let's read that again. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Everybody, here's a question. When do we receive the crown of life? There's the word right there. What is it? Afterward. After we have endured... Tribulations, testings, trials, afterward, not during, not when we begin, afterward is when the prize comes. Look at James chapter 1 verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like, verse 25. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says... And don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Look here, everybody. When does God bless us? After we do what his word says and don't forget what his word says. After we have obeyed. That's when the blessing of God comes. Now, there'll be some who'll say, well, doesn't he bless us along the way? He gives us mercy every day. He gives us grace every day. He showers us with loving kindness every day. It's only because he does that we can run this race. But the blessing that God gives the blessing that we must have, we have to have, comes afterward. Write down Hebrews, if you would, the sixth chapter. Hebrews, the sixth chapter, verses 9 through 12. I hope you'll read it later. 
On this first night of this Bible study, I want to make one thing perfectly clear, and I have bypassed so much because I could not not say this tonight so that no one can uh, misunderstand where I'm headed. If you will, go back to 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, the verses we read from the beginning, 2 Timothy chapter 4. You know, I've only been speaking and preaching and teaching for a long, long time, and one day I'll, I'll figure out I, I, I just can't say in one night everything I'd planned to say, and instead of trying to get through 14 pages of notes, I probably need to stick to four. But I haven't learned that in 48 years. I may not learn it now. 2 Timothy 4. Let's start with verse, uh, let's start with verse 4. I'm sorry, I don't want to end there. I don't want to end there. Go back to Philippians. I'm sorry. Let's go to Philippians. I don't have the time to read again from 2 Timothy 4. It's not on your outline, so write it down. Go to to Philippians, the third chapter, verse 12. If you're in Philippians 3, would you say, I'm there? Uh, Look at verse 12. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for for which Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Write this down, please. The Apostle Paul didn't say, I've been perfect I can't tell you how important that reality is. Had he said, I've been perfect through my life, you and I would be in a world of hurt. The Apostle Paul didn't say, I have not sinned. And I wanted to leave time here because I want to say some things. Very important we understand that he didn't say, I have not sinned. Look here, please. If having not sinned is the criterion for gaining my crown of righteousness, I wouldn't have a chance at obtaining it, and neither would you. I don't lie, I don't steal, I don't kill, and I don't run around on my wife. I serve no God but the one true God, and I never misuse his name. I don't worship idols. 
I honor the Sabbath in order to keep it holy, and I honored my father and my mother while they were alive, and I have honored them since they have died. I don't covet anything that anyone has. But if you look closely, you will not see that badge of honor emblazoned here on my chest. Because I have committed other sins. You have. We all have. The very best among us have sinned. If we had to be perfect, we would have no hope of heaven at all whatsoever. None of us, not one of us, not the best one among us sitting right down here on this front row. I've been here in West Monroe as a pastor in this church since 1977. And all these years, I have told one thing that I knew wasn't true one time. 1978. And I went to that person and I made it right with that person because I couldn't live with the thought that I had done what God said do not do. One. One. That one makes me not perfect. I have sinned other sins. I'm not going to categorize and list well, how many of this and how many of that. The fact is, I have sinned and so have you. So this series is not about <laughs> us having to be perfect. It is about us striving for the perfect, reaching for the perfect, doing exactly what the Apostle Paul said. Years ago, I preached a message called In the Direction of Perfection. And oh, did I get, back then it was letters. There weren't emails in the direction of perfection. Everybody, that's where we're headed. That's what we ought to want. He is perfect. Christ Jesus is perfect. I want to be like him. And the fact that I'm not doesn't keep me from pressing on to the one who is. Ah, here's something I passed up and didn't say that I'm going to say right now. I've got to say it. Just 
Just say, I love you. Okay. Listen to this. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Another scripture I was going to read talks about us being uh, judged by God himself for all the things we do, so let us all do good to those who are the household of faith. Here's one of the best things you can do for anybody who is a part of the family of God, for any member of your own family, tell them, it matters how you live. Tell them, you can't just start, you must finish your race. Tell them that though you have sinned, there's grace and forgiveness for your sin, but you must receive it and walk in it and be washed by the blood of Christ and forgiven for it and go on, get back in the race and keep on until it's over if you love them. And tell them, you're looking at one person standing in front of you who has sinned. You're looking at a man who is not perfect and understands it. If anybody understands imperfection, you're looking at a man who does. Tell them, the Apostle Paul didn't say, I've been perfect. The Apostle Paul didn't say, I have not sinned, but this is what he did say. He said, I have remained faithful. I have remained That's what we're going to look at the next three Wednesday nights. I'm going to do my best to not have so many notes when I come out to speak to you, but I want to tell you this. I'll go over here to our young worship leader, Savannah. People of your generation really struggle with this whole concept of what I'm sharing. Thankfully, you don't. Many of your generation does. Same is true for Jonathan's generation. That's why you find so many starting well, but then like the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians, what hindered you? You started running so well. What hindered you? faithfulness, everyone. It matters to God and whether or not you realize it, it matters to you.
Thanks for listening to the Family Church Podcast. You can stay connected with us at familychurch.org or by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission at Family Church is to pursue God, make disciples, and strengthen families. If you're in the West Monroe area, we would love for you to come join us. You can check out familychurch.org for our location and service times. 